I'm happy to be with you this morning, going solo. <sighs> it's a little scary. <laughs> Pastor Steve was, has been asking me for a while um, to do some messages on healing, on divine healing. And uh, so I said, okay, you know, you know, it's time for us to talk about uh, things sometimes that we do put on hold. And I think healing is a subject that's so important to us because we all are dealing with physical problems at times in our body, infirmities. There's never a person who could be, is born who's gone through their life without any sickness in their body. And especially now with COVID, uh, this is the time whenever we need to raise our uh, eyes and our mind and our thoughts on the healing power of God. Yeah. Amen. And so Jesus has provided for us um, divine healing through the, his finished work on the cross. Uh, through his death, he shed his blood for the, for the penalty of our sin. He did it for us. And by his death, his burial, and his triumphant resurrection, uh, he's provided healing and wholeness for us. We use that word salvation. We're all familiar with that word salvation. But the word salvation is not just the meaning of a word, it's a ticket to heaven. Sometimes people think, well, if I'm saved, that means I'm born again and I'm destined for heaven when I die. Well, that's true. But the word salvation uh, in the Greek, the meaning of it is much broader than that. It means wholeness, it means soundness, it means preservation, it means healing. It actually mean, has this connotation of the meaning of being rescued from destruction. You are saved, saved from sin. And so salvation, you know, besides for a, a ticket to heaven, so to speak, uh, has made us a new creation in Christ. Something spiritually has happened to us on the inside. We are three-part beings. You know, when you look at a person, you just see one thing, one, one material thing here. But really, humanity is made up, every person is made up of three parts. We are spirit we're made in the image of God. We are soul. We have a mind, will, and emotions. And then we have this physical outer body. Okay, and salvation has been brought to all three parts of us. That's the good news. God has brought wholeness through salvation to all three parts. And so when we are born again, we become new creations in Christ. Something spiritually changed on the inside of us. You became a new creature, and the door was open spiritually to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God becomes open to you then. And so Jesus even said, you know, the kingdom of God, he said that in Luke, is where? He said it's within you. So now God comes to dwell by, the, by his Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And the, when you start to understand these things and you read the uh, stories about healing in the Gospels, the Gospel uses the word salvation often interchangeably for the word healed. When you read about the healing stories uh, that, that were performed by Jesus in the, in the Gospels, like for instance, the woman with the issue of blood, I think most people are familiar with that story. I think it's in Matthew chapter 9. You know, she kept saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch his cloak, I'll be in the word. When you read it in your translation, it says healed. But when you look that up in the Greek, the word there is actually sozo, which is salvation, 
which is the word that is used other places where it says Jesus will save you from your sins. So it's the same word. So when he saved us from our sins, he provided healing for our bodies. I mean, when Jesus said, uh, it's like to say to the woman with the issue of blood, he said, woman, take courage. Your faith has made you well and whole, meaning healed. If you've, when you read that in the Greek, that's the word salvation. So he could have said to her, your faith has saved you. But he was meaning saved from, saved from the penalty of sin, which sickness was on the tail of the penalty of sin. And so when Jesus saved us, I say all that to say when Jesus saved you, he healed you. You know, and we often believe easily that the forgiveness of sins, through the forgiveness of sins, we have salvation. Uh, but we don't often think about it in terms of that salvation opened the door for me to be made whole physically and to be made whole mentally. I mean, people suffer from, from mental uh, difficulties and infirmities too. And so God our Father cares about your well-being. He's a good God. He cares about your physical body. He, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? He designed us. He's a healing God. I mean, when you read through the Gospels, you cannot read them very far until you see Jesus. It said he went about teaching, preaching, and healing all, you know, who, who were sick. And you read through the Gospels, and story after story, he's healing the sick. He's opening blind eyes. He's... Uh, making the lame to walk, ears are opened. He's delivering people from demonic oppression. He's raising the dead. I mean, when he sent out the 70 disciples, he sent them out two by two into all the neighboring towns, and the command that he gave them, when you think about it, is really interesting. He didn't say go out and, you know, give them some food and say the kingdom of God has come near you. He said go out and heal the sick. And tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. So healing is like a dinner bell. He healing is a part and parcel of the gospel. And it's more, our salvation is more, what we have to get into our minds and our hearts is salvation is more than just a message about, well, now I'm saved, I'm born again, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. It's a message about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom that comes to dwell on the inside of you. Eternal life has come on the inside of us when we're born again. So many of us, we just live in the natural. We just think about things according to the five physical senses, but we need to start pondering, meditating on the truth that I have eternal life on the inside of me. And it is meant to bring wholeness to my being, and it's meant for me to actually go out and do what Jesus said, to go lay hands on the sick and see them recover too. And so the good news is that Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed in these stories 2,000 years ago, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, does he desire to heal today? Yes, he does. He's able and he's willing to heal us today, because he doesn't change, and his power is unlimited, right? 
He's not lost his power over 2,000 years. He's just as powerful as ever. And so, you know, we all struggle with healing, needing healing in our bodies at some point. Physical illness hits us all, infirmities. Some, some struggle with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, worry. Those things can actually bring on physical illness. They'll tell you, I just looked it up again because I remember this statistic from a long time ago, several years ago when I was just studying some of these things out, but it's still the same. It said 80 to 90% of the reason that people come into a doctor's office, the illness that they're dealing with can be traced back to stress in our life. That should cause us all to examine, you know, how we think and how we live. And, you know, nobody wants to be sick. I think you'd all agree with me that we've all been sick and we've all been well, and which is better? (laughs) Well is better. I'll take well every time. And, you know, I, I was trained years ago, practiced as a registered nurse for about 15 years before we were called into ministry by God. And I always had an interest in health. I mean, even as a little girl, I remember thinking, I want to be a nurse. You know, and I, I, I was interested in the body and how it functioned. It was just even interested in how you think and how maybe that affects how your body functions, mindsets. And, and it's funny, I went into nursing school with a desire to learn about your body and health. I wanted to learn how to get well and keep well. I thought, this is a I didn't know what to major on, you know, just kind of jumped around, and then I thought, you know, nursing is a good thing, and, uh, but, but my motivation and what I thought I was going to learn, I was pretty naive, because after three years of study, I realized I'm just learning a lot of knowledge about disease, how people get sick, how you treat sickness, the progression of sickness, <laughs> and very little about preventing sickness or about being how to stay well and at times it for me you know it was a little mentally and emotionally stressful especially when you get out there and you start working with people with various illnesses and things that you never understood and you know I'm in my early 20s and had been healthy up until then but there was just a lot of mental and emotional stress I found in myself just being around so much sickness, I'm uh, Pastor Steve, remember, I'd come home and go, you're not going to believe what I had to deal with today. <laughs> and, you know, if you work in the medical field, my hat's off to you. It's not easy. I think especially now with the whole COVID scare, uh, it can be hard. And when you're studying these things and you're around sickness all the time, it's easy to become fearful. Your mind can get filled up with, start to get filled up with uh, a lot of what ifs, kind of like what happens whenever you go to the doctor, the doctor tells you, I think this might be what's wrong with you, and pretty soon you're home, you're on the internet. I wonder what this means. How many of you have done that? And then you regret doing it, because it's like, oh, I wish I didn't know that about what this is. I mean, the power of suggestion is real. It can be strong, and it can trick you, if you will. Like, there's actually something called medical school syndrome. And about 80% of, like, second and third year medical students go through this. That's a lot, 80%. Like, what happens is you're studying all these illnesses, and some of them, you know, bad, 
illnesses. You get preoccupied with the symptoms you're learning about it, and pretty soon you become so preoccupied with it, you start to imagine that you're, you've got those symptoms in your body. How many of you have ever done that? No, I'm, not, I'm the only one who's done it. Okay. But you can, you're subconsciously, you know, dwelling in your mind and body, uh, or in your body is like accommodating it. Because what happens is they literally go to the doctor then and say, I have these pains, and you're thinking, you're, and you are feeling, actually, you are feeling those pains. But it's all coming from a wrong mindset in your mind. And so the mind is a really strong influence for the body. I want to talk about that one of the weeks here that I'm going to be sharing with you on healing, because we have to get our mind renewed, you know, to think a whole different way. Instead of thinking negatively, I mean, just turn on the news. And if, you know, if you don't have your heart built up in faith, you can just be sucked down that drain of negativity and the what-ifs and, oh, my gosh, and it's going to happen to me. And so the problem is, again, like we've been overtraining ourselves to think to the negative and not enough training ourselves to think according to the mind of Christ. And what, who, and who we are in Christ, and what we've been given in Christ, and so we need to, you know, begin to play out those scenarios. That's what I want to help you with in, in one of these messages coming up. But I just remember uh, myself, you know, in nursing school. I, 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 I this happened to me. I remember um, I had a friend, a, a really good girlfriend that I knew in high school, and she was in nursing school too. I was in Michigan, and she was in St. Francis in Pittsburgh. And um, along the way, and we were like halfway, both of us halfway through school, she developed Hodgkin's disease. And I, you know, she was shocked. I was shocked. Like, here we are. We're in our early 20s. It's like, how does this happen? This can't be happening. And uh, 40 years ago, you know, they didn't have the treatments that they have now for that disease. Often through medical treatment, that disease can be healed. Um, but her, she was not given a good prognosis at that time and she passed away before even finishing nursing school but here's the good part of the story uh, when Steve's when we heard about her diagnosis uh, we knew we knew something about salvation and people's need to know Jesus before they pass on of course and Steve's dad had wanted him that weekend one of these weekends when we had just heard to go on a ski trip with his family and he's like dad I can't you know, we've got to go to Pittsburgh. We've got to go to this friend. She's just diagnosed. She's, she may die, and I, she doesn't know Jesus. We've got to talk to her. His dad was kind of upset about it. He didn't quite understand um, how important this was to us. But we jumped in our little, this was 1976, you know, we jumped in our little VW bug, and off we went straight to Pittsburgh. I mean, we knew the hospital that she was in, uh, drove six hours straight, and we, she wasn't in her room. And they said, she's getting prepped somewhere for some procedure later on in the day. So we just, they were like, you can't see her. It's like, no, we're going to see her. We thought we, so we made our way through halls and doors. And I'm sure we went through places that we were not supposed to go. Because we ended up in this room where they kept, they, a lot of people like, were just getting, I think, waiting to get procedures done. And we saw her. It was like, her name was Sally. Like, there's Sally. She's laying on this cot. She's in a hospital gown. She's so surprised to see us, like, what are you doing here? 
And Steve just starts in. He's like, Sally, you have to know Jesus. No matter what happens here in your life, you've got to know him. And she's like, starts to cry. And she's like, yeah, okay, like, tell me. He leads her right to Christ there laying on the cot. He's like, Sally, you know, just give your life to him. And leads her, explains the gospel and leads her in the prayer of salvation. She prays. And we knew we didn't have much time because we weren't supposed to even be in that room. So we were like, we will talk to you later, you know, we'll, we'll call you later, and off we went. And uh, I never did get to see her again because she passed away, like within a few months of that time. But I just rejoice now because I think, hallelujah, we will see her once again in heaven. And she is perfectly healed now. She's perfectly healed now. But that whole experience, like, rocked my inner world. I didn't know anything really about the Bible at that time. I went to church. You know, I had grown up Catholic and became a Lutheran. Steve was Lutheran. We were married. And uh, I understood the need for the gospel. I did understand the need for salvation. But that was about it. And that whole thing just rocked my inner world. I mean, I, had to, I started to develop. I'm still in nursing school. I started to develop anxiety. It was like, Sally said she had a lump. And I'm thinking, I, you know, I'd look in the mirror and go, maybe this lump is... She said she had a hard time breathing at some point because of, it was like, can I, am I breathing okay? <laughs> Maybe some of you aren't so psychosomatic, but, <laughs> but uh, I started to just ask God why. It was like, why do these things happen? Is life just some big game of chance? You know, you just hope that everything turns out for you. Can you do anything about the outcome of your life? Or is it just sort of like, no, it's like a deck of cards. I'm dealing you a hand. I'm dealing you a hand. And you're hoping, I hope I get like whatever it is, the, the royal flush. And you're like, no, oh, I just got a couple of twos. This is all I got to deal with, you know. <laughs> just a pair. Is life just a game of chance? You know, death will make you think deeply about life, about your life, about other people's lives, and ask questions to God, which is great. That's one good thing that can happen when things, when tragedy happens in our life. But I heard nothing years ago when I went to church about what I'm sharing, these truths I'm sharing with you today. Certainly nothing about healing. If somebody had asked me back then, well, do you think that God can heal people? And I would have said, well, yeah, he's God. He can heal. He can do anything he wants. And if people, someone had said to me then, you know, well, do you think he still heals people today? I would have said, I don't really know. Maybe yes, maybe no. Who can know the will of God? That was about as much as we knew about the will of God as far as healing and wholeness in our body goes. And this is the fundamental problem with the world and humanity as we see it today. This is why it's in the shape that it's in. We don't know the will of God. You know, we're ignorant of the will of God. We're confused about the will of God. Or people just don't even care. I don't even care about the will of God. In Hosea 4, 6, this is going to be up on our screen here, says this, my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge of me. See, God's made provision for his people. God loves people. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus so that we would not perish and go to hell and have experience eternal death, but that we could experience eternal life. But my people, God said, are destroyed because they lack knowledge of me. People are perishing spiritually, 
They die and go to hell without Christ. People, and even believers, you know, we could be perishing, so to speak, or kind of tormented just through mental mindsets that are false, that are lies, or just physical illnesses that we just tolerate because we think, well, this is just the way it is because we lack the knowledge of God's will for our lives. And all the while, like Psalm 119 says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's not up for dispute. You know, he's still mighty to save, and he desires to save. But, but for those truths to do us any good, you have to fling wide the door of your heart and believe in faith. You have to exercise faith. This is true, and it's for me, and I'm going to receive it. I mean, faith and believing is an action, if you will, of believing. I mean, Jesus had said all things are possible to the person who believes. Like, we, we tend to, we do believe that with God all things are possible, yes, but Jesus did say all things become possible to who? The one who believes. So there's, there's something on our part that's necessary. There's responsibility that way on our part to open our heart up to fully believe. I mean, when, Jesus, when people came to Jesus for healing, he would often say to them, your faith, take courage, daughter, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say, my faith made you whole. See, his finished work on the cross is what sets the table for us to, to receive and then to put our faith in what he did. And so, a person who believes that says, has faith, and Jesus would say, well, your faith now has made you whole. So, our belief and our faith in, is in, in confidence in it has much to do with whether or not we experience the blessings of God, and specifically even healing. But the good news is our faith can grow more confident. <laughs> you go, well, I don't have much faith. Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So, we just get in. Where do we find the will of God? In the Word of God. Yeah. And the more we become familiar with the Word of God and we put it in our, think about it in our mind and put it in our heart, something starts to happen. Our faith starts to rise up. And we see what He's done for us. I mean, and God, this, this Word, His Word is His written will. Okay. And the Bible, you know, we, we know this, the Bible is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? But testament is a word that refers to a will. I mean, when somebody dies and leaves a will, they go to a lawyer, right? They're going to call the family, they're going to sit down and they're going to say, this is what your loved one's last will and testament is for you. Here's what you've inherited and they, if it's, your, say, your father who passed away, you might say, well, your father has left you as an inheritance this piece of property, or your father has left you this hopefully large sum of money, right? <laughs> or your father has left you, you know, his car, or whatever it is. You know, often it's just passing on something in the material, but it's an inheritance according to the will. When that person passes away, then that will becomes made known. And that's your inheritance. So when you open God's word, 
Think of it this way. When you open the, God's Word, you're reading your heavenly Father's will for your life. This is what belongs to you, he's saying. I did this for you. This is the inheritance that you're meant to walk in. I mean, if you had a rich relative who you knew left you a big inheritance, would you be excited? You'd be like, I'm going to that lawyer. I want to hear what it is because I want to just, I want it. I want it. You wouldn't waste any time discovering what's my inheritance? What did I get? What belongs to me? Yet so many believers, when you think about it, like God's saying, the riches of Christ are in, the, in these words. I've given you healing. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you wisdom. I've given you righteousness. I've given you a new identity. We, we should not be wasting any time like flip, going reading through the pages to see what belongs to us. Yet many believers, for whatever reason, never search out or partake of it. Our great salvation that we've been given in Christ. The spiritual riches we've been given in Christ. You know, in, in, in Colossians 3, 1 to 3, Pastor Steve likes to do this. I'm going to do it too. If you have your Bible, if you have an electronic device, go to Colossians 3. Chapter, in chapter 3, I want to read verses 1, 2, and 3. See, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified. Because it says this so well, according to what I'm saying here. It says in Colossians 3, 1, If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, Thus sharing the resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above. It's like, go discover your inheritance in Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, and set your mind and keep your mind set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. See, this is going to take some effort for us to go search out our inheritance in Christ. Verse 3, for as far as this world is concerned, you've died and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. I mean, some of these things are hidden from the obvious understanding. It takes faith and it takes effort to open up the Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, teach me who I really am. Teach me about my inheritance. I want to walk in it. And this is why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 and this is verse 17 to 19, he said that he, he prayed for the church in Ephesus that the eyes of their understanding, that their spiritual eyes would be open to see and know their inheritance in Christ, the riches of the, the glorious inheritance, it says, that we have in Christ. I mean, we're, we're sort of near there if we want to, you're right there. <laughs> Verse 17, see how much time we have here, yeah. But verse 17 of Ephesians 1, see this is Paul, because Paul knew that these things are so glorious, they can, be, they can seem like a mystery, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand, and to, then to walk and have faith to walk in it. But it says, verse 17, he's, this is Paul praying for the church, I always pray, he says, to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, that he would grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him. See, we need the Holy Spirit's help. You're not going to understand this without the help of the Holy Spirit. 
and spending some time opening up the Word of God and in serious faith just saying, teach me, open my eyes. You say I have an inheritance, I want to walk in it. Because verse 18 then says, by having the eyes of your heart enlightened, or the Amplified says, flooded with light so that you can know what is the hope of his calling. So you are called to a higher life and to live that higher life. Let's go to verse 19. We might as well just go on there. It's up on the screen. And what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? See, there's an inheritance for us to partake of. He put the, the riches of Christ are on the inside of you and me, if you're born again. And what is the incomparable greatness of his power toward us who believe? You know, we, on the outside, we, we're an earthen vessel. We don't look maybe very strong or, or great, but on the inside of us, who we are in Christ, that's where God dwells. And that's where really your worth is and where your power is in the spirit. And Paul prayed this for the church because he knew, he knew the working of the devil. He knew the, how Satan works because in 2 Corinthians 4, he talks about how the God of this world, Satan, blinds the minds of people so they can't perceive the glorious gospel. This is why we pray, open my eyes, Lord, that I could see it. And you know, discovering these truths 30 years ago, was just, it was just a complete game changer for us, for our family, for how we raised our children, our priorities, our perspective on life, completely changed. I wanted to know his will. I wasn't going to live my life, like life just a game of chance. You never know what you're going to be dealt. You're just going to have to put up with it and deal with it. No, the kingdom of God now dwells on the inside of you. And by faith, you can move mountains in your life. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, and my word abides in you. See, this is key, abiding. Takes a while for that word to start getting sunk down in there and you, and you live in it. But he said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, you will know the truth. And the truth will do what? It'll set you free. It'll set you free. And I thought, well, I want to be set free because I felt like I had a lot of fears and I just had a lot of things from my past, from my childhood. I thought, I want freedom. And it takes, I've worked hard over the years. And I still am working hard to renew my mind to think according to the mind of the Spirit. It's not going to happen overnight. And I'm going to tell you, it will take effort on your part. To, to exercise your faith, to possess what belongs to you. But healing is a part of our salvation. It's a part of who we are in Christ. You become a new creation in Christ. And you do have, as a new creation, you have a new identity. You have a new destiny. And healing is a part of it. Yes. Healing for our physical body and healing for our soul. Our mind our, 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 and our emotions is all a part of it, too. So, so where did sickness then even originate? How did it get into the picture? I mean, disease and sickness were not a part of God's original plan in creation. You know, God is life, right? He's, there's no darkness in him. There's no death in him. 
John 1, 4, this is going to be up on your screen. In him was what? Life. Excuse me. And the life was the light of men. So I, I, what helped me years ago, and it still helps me now, is to go back to the beginning of what God intended when he created us, right? God is our creator. In Genesis, we see in Genesis chapter 1, God's putting the universe together. And by the power of his word, you know, he's bringing forth life. So everything that he's speaking through his word has his DNA in it, has his handiwork in it. He separates light from darkness, it says. Then he, he separates, it says, the waters above from the waters beneath. And then he's making uh, the earth, by speaking, he's, the earth starts to bring forth vegetation. I mean, he speaks and he's placing the sun and the moon and the stars and the galaxies, all in perfect order. All of it has his life and DNA in it. The oceans, day, you know, day five, the oceans, it says, brought forth living creatures. And then the, on the land, the creatures were brought forth. And everything is full of God's life when you see how he intended it for creation. And after every day, like day three, and this is good. And he saw it, and it was good, and he approved it. And day four, he saw it, approved it. It was good. Day five, it was good. And then he gets to day six. And this is the day where his, the, his glorious creation of man comes. And I will have this up uh, so we can read it. Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said on day six, Let us make human beings, let us make man, in our image to be like us. Now, don't just stop and read that, because we've heard that maybe over and over again. But stop and think what God is doing here. It's like, we, let's make man like us now because whoa this is a different kind of creation we're going to be made in god's image yes plants are magnificent in their creation and the stars and everything can be stunning in its own way but then he creates man and he puts in in adam and eve the very breath of life he breathes into them the breath of his very breath of life his spirit and it says, they will reign, we'll go on, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image, his own image. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. He created them. And then God did what? He blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. This was God's original intention. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? It was very good, very good. <laughs> and he approved it completely. It's like God just said, Amen. All right, this is my plan. <laughs> And there was evening and there was morning, a sixth day. Now when you go on to read Genesis 2.1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. 
and God blessed the seventh day. He set it apart as his own and hallowed it because on it God rested from all his work which he had created and done. Now, God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was worn out from creation. Oh, this is so hard. It was like, you know, I need a rest, man. No, God is, doesn't grow weary, right? I mean, he doesn't slumber or sleep. He doesn't faint from being tired. God rested, meaning this is my plan and purpose for creation. So be it. This is the way it's going to be in not changing it. It'd be like an artist who would create this magnificent, glorious picture on a canvas. And you know, that last stroke, it's like I'm putting this brush down. That's it. Not one more stroke on this thing. It's perfect the way it is. This is my plan. That's what it means when God rested. This is the way he wanted it to be. So God's most glorious and highest creation, think about it, came on that sixth day where we're made in his image and in his likeness. This is our highest honor to be made like God. This is what he intended for man from the beginning. There was no sickness in that garden. You know, I have this, did we put that on the post? I had a little picture that if we could see this. Imago Day simply means made in the image of God. That's our highest, it says, Imago Dei is to believe that our worth comes not from what we do, but from the one in whose image we are made. That's where our worth comes from. That's where your worth is. Not from what you do or how things necessarily look on the outside. Your worth comes from even the price that God the Father paid the Jesus, he sent his son Jesus to pay the price so that we can be made one and reconciled with God again the way he originally planned it. You know, there's no sickness. There was no sickness painted on that canvas. (laughs) Nothing. He had to send his son to die on a cross to take away the penalty for sin so that we could be welcomed back into the kingdom of God. So the day's coming when Jesus comes back. (laughs) We're going to see the fulfillment of God's original plan. But until then, he's given us a foretaste of this through the kingdom and through the power that lives on the inside of us. And so sickness entered the world through the working of sin, See, Satan came into the garden through, in the form of a serpent, caused Adam and Eve to disobey. God had said to them, do not eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil, because when you eat from that tree, you're going to die. And we know the story. They ate from the tree, and they died. They didn't fall over dead that day, but death began to be at work on the inside of them. They, were, they became spiritually separated from God and spiritually separated from his life. Everything slowly corrupts and dies. Look at this. Romans 5.12 says this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. When Adam sinned, that's when sin entered the world. That's when the effect of sickness could come. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. For everybody sinned. 
Well, I thank God this, this is where the good news of the gospel comes in because 1 John 3 says this, you know that Jesus became a man to take away upon himself our sins. And in him there is no sin. So on, this is what Jesus was doing on the cross. Again, I think we just have sometimes a one, you know, we have this narrow focus of what salvation means. Again, it's like this ticket to heaven. But God sent his son into the world to pay the penalty for sin and all the consequences that sin brought into our life. And why did he do it? It says in Ephesians 1, to satisfy his great love for us, he sent his son in love. Think of what he saw in the garden. He made a plan right then that one is coming that is going to bruise your head. He meant his son, the seed of a woman, would come. Jesus would come and cut off the power of Satan, cut off the head of Satan. 1 John 3, 8 says this, the reason the Son of God was made manifest was to do what? Undo or destroy and dissolve the works the devil has done. Powerful scripture. This was the reason that Jesus came to the earth to undo what the, the work the devil had done. Why? Because it was destroying us. And this is why when Jesus came, you know, he's, he's cleansing lepers and he's, he's uh, opening up blind eyes and he's opening up deaf ears and he's raising uh, the lame to walk. He's raising people from the dead. Acts 10.38, look at this. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit in power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So, so faith, faith for healing rises up in our hearts. Confidence that God is good, he wants to heal, he will heal, heal and it's part of our inheritance. It rises up as we expose our heart to the truth. I say it again, you and I have a great inheritance in Christ. <laughs> and healing, healing is a part of our inheritance. But for you and I to experience, it's going to take some time to get our head in the word of God, to get our heart in the word of God, and to believe Jesus destroyed the works of the devil so that you can be free. You know, and sometimes that freedom comes even through a gift of the Spirit because the Bible says that we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. Sometimes our healing comes from that way. And sometimes that's, an, that's a faith on the person's part who's laying hands on somebody. But other times it can come, and I think sometimes almost the better way for it to come is whenever we get ourselves familiar with our inheritance in Christ. And we load up our mind and our heart with who we are 
and we begin to talk to God, you know, it's like talking to Jesus. Like, I want to experience my inheritance. Healing belongs to me. So often I used to think, what am I supposed to keep doing, Lord, to receive healing? And I had things kind of backwards. Because what he, what he began to open up my eyes to see was that I've already accomplished it all. You're not really waiting on me to do something for you. He really was waiting on me to fully believe that this is for me, that he did it for me, and to possess it, to make it mine. And so I wanted to lay just some foundation in this first message about the goodness of God, God's original plan for us in salvation. And then in the next couple of messages, I'd like to talk a little bit about how our mind needs to be renewed, the power of our mind and the way we think and its influence on our body, and, and faith. What does faith have to do with it? And so let's just bow our heads as we close out. We worship you, Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the power of your word. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. Father, I thank you for what you did for us by sending Jesus Christ, shed his blood on the cross, opening the way, dying for the, taking the penalty for our sin and opening the way for us through his resurrection life to be one with you. I, I pray, Father, you open up the eyes of our understanding to see that in the days to come. Lord, your desire, I know, is for your people to walk healed. Help us, Lord, to walk in the fullness of our inheritance. And then I just want to close by giving you an opportunity for anybody in the room, anybody even with the sound of, through the sound of my voice online. If you don't know if you've ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I can tell you that it's a gift Salvation is a gift that's offered to us through the finished work of Christ. And all the Lord is asking of us is just to open up our heart in faith and believe. And so if you want to be sure of your salvation, you can pray a simple prayer with me. And I ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I receive forgiveness for my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me a new creation. I thank you for the gifts that you've given me. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.